Let's ask God for his help as we uh, look at his word. Father, thank you for your kindness to us. We pray that as we look at your word now that you help us to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. I particularly want to welcome this morning uh, family and friends of our children today. It's great that you're here. I'm sure uh, the parents of the children and the children themselves, and uh, they appreciate uh, your support and your being here for them. But I do find this. I find that um, family and friends who come to our church, they often ask me a question. The same question. They say, they say something like, Look, it's really nice that my relatives come to your church, uh, my children or my sister or brother or whatever. It's really nice. They, they seem to find it helpful seem to find it comforting, um, they seem to be pretty keen about it, and I can see why they like to be part of community. It's good that the children are getting a nice moral education, but, people keep asking me, why all this stuff about Jesus? Why do you go on and on and on about Jesus? I like some of the things about your church, I like the friendship, I like the morals, but I just don't get why you keep rabbiting on and on about Jesus. Well, seeing as many of you have been kind enough to come today, and thank you for coming, I, I thought I would uh, try to answer the question. And to help us, I want to look at that passage that Warren just read. It's uh, from one of the biographies of Jesus in the Bible. And in this section, Jesus goes to have dinner at, at the house of a Pharisee, uh, a Pharisee by the name of Simon. Now, a Pharisee, um, these guys, they're the pillars of Jewish society of the day. They're decent, upright, moral people, religious people, and they are the leaders in business and in society. These are your decent, upright, moral people. So Jesus comes uh, to eat at Simon's house, but while he's there, a really, well, quite an embarrassing thing happens. A woman comes, a woman with a bad reputation. She comes right into Simon's house, and she starts pouring perfume on Jesus and, and kissing his feet. Have a look with me at Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. I'll read back through it again. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. So picture the scene. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood beside him, behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Simon sees what's happening and he's not impressed. He thinks, well, he's not impressed by Jesus. He thinks, how can Jesus be someone who's come from God? How can he be a prophet? He's completely misjudged this woman. He's accepting her love and gratitude, but Simon knows that she is bad news. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus knows what Simon is thinking and so he asks him a question. It's a very interesting question. It's a question about love. It's a question about who will love the most. Verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. 
Uh, the point's pretty simple, don't, don't you think? It's fairly clear what Jesus is saying. The bigger the debt you have cancelled, the more thankful you are. And neither of them could pay their debt, but the bigger the debt, the more thankful. The, the more you've been forgiven, the more you love. And Jesus, he goes on now to apply the story to Simon. He talks about the, the, the lukewarm reception that Simon's given him to his house, the sort of suspicious reception. He, and he compares it to the, to the woman and what she's done. And he says it shows something about Simon and the woman. Simon doesn't think Jesus has much to offer him at all. He doesn't think he needs to be forgiven very much. And so he's not that interested in Jesus. But the woman, the woman realises her great need, her, her desperate need to be forgiven. She realises that Jesus can meet her need and so she loves him. Verse 44. Then Jesus turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus confirms what's happened to the woman. He says to her, your sins have been forgiven. He says, you've been saved, saved from God's judgment. And why? He says, because you've relied on me, because she's put her faith in Jesus. Verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I reckon it's a very interesting story, a story particularly interesting in its cultural context. But, but for today, I want us to see how this can help us understand the question that, uh, that we asked at the beginning about why we go on and on and on about Jesus in our church. You see, most people, most people are like Simon. It doesn't matter if they're religious or not religious. Like Simon, they don't feel they have any great need for Jesus. And maybe for non-religious people today, it's because they don't even believe there is a God. And they think this life is all there is. And so Jesus, with all this talk about God and the forgiveness of sins and being saved from God's judgment, that's all it's irrelevant. It's fairy tales. But that's not the vast majority of Australians still today under the census. The vast majority of Australians believe there is a God. For them, they assume, though, that, that God will accept them as they are. Now, maybe they're not much into religion, but they try to live good lives. They try to love their families, they try not to do things that hurt other people, and they think that when they die, things should be okay between them and God. Things should be all right. And so again, for people like that, Jesus, with all this talk about forgiveness and saving from God's judgment, it's irrelevant. Or maybe uh, for many people in Australia, they, they are into religion. They go to church, they go to some other religious place, they follow the rituals, they say the prayers, they give to charities, they do good things, and they assume that they've done enough. They've done enough for God to accept them. Again, people like that don't feel any need for Jesus. Uh, they've got their religion to fix them up with God, and they think they're fine as they are. 
You see, there are all kinds of ways that you could be like Simon in this story, whether you're religious or not religious. Bottom line, bottom line, you think you're okay with God as you are. If there isn't a God, Jesus can't help you. If there is a God, you're fine with him as you are. You don't need Jesus. You don't need any help from him. And to go back to the story, you don't feel like God has cancelled any great debt you owe him through Jesus. You feel like you can, you can sort that any debt out yourself. And so, like Simon... Uh, you don't understand why anyone would go on and on about Jesus. It all seems a bit irrelevant, a bit of, a, a bit of an embarrassment, really. Uh, but um, can, I say, can I say, that's not what we think. That's not what we think, not here in this church. Uh, here in this church, we believe that we do owe God a great debt, a debt that we can't repay by ourselves. You see... God is the one who made us. God is the one who sustains our every moment. He gives us every breath. God is the one who gives us every good thing that we have. And so God deserves that we should love him, as he commands, with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. God deserves that. All our love, all our obedience, we owe that to God. The thing is, we know ourselves well enough to know that we don't do it. We don't give God what we owe him. We don't give him all our love and obedience. We live much of our lives as if he didn't even exist. We often disobey him and we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people by our disobedience. And, and look, sorry, by the way. Sorry for ways that, that we've hurt you by our selfishness, by our pride. Sorry. Uh, we believe, to use the biblical word, that we are sinners we owe God the equivalent of an enormous unpaid debt and we don't have what it takes to pay it ourselves. But we believe that through Jesus, like it says in the story, God has cancelled our sin. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he paid the debt that we owe to God. And so we believe that like the woman in the story, we can be saved when we have faith in Jesus. We can be saved from the just judgment of God. We can be saved from that day when God will call in his debts. Here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church, uh, we don't believe, like Simon, that we're okay on our own. Here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church, we believe that we're like that woman in the story. We desperately need Jesus. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, like that woman, we can't help but feel grateful. We can't help but offer Jesus our love and our worship and our thanks. We can't help but go on and on and on about him. Uh, look, maybe we haven't particularly talked to you uh, about Jesus a whole heap. Maybe we've been too scared. Uh, but believe me, on the inside, we are busting to tell you all about him. We're busting to tell you about him. Here in this church, well, can I say we do have nice community. We do try to live moral lives. But that is not really what we're on about. It's not what we're here for. We're not here to congratulate ourselves on how religious we are. We're not here to, because we think we're better than you or better than anyone else. If anything, we're probably worse than you. We're here because we believe we are forgiven sinners. And that's why we love Jesus. It's why we meet to learn more about him from the Bible. It's why we sing to him. It's why we pray to him. And that's why we keep on inviting you to stuff at church whether it be to men's events or women's events or whether it be to kids' church, any excuse we can find, we'll invite you back again, won't we? I'm sorry if we're a bit annoying to you. 
Uh, sorry if you feel a bit harassed by the way we go on about Jesus and keep on trying to drag you in the door here, but hopefully this helps you to see why. We, we really do want the best for you. We sincerely believe that the forgiveness and the salvation that Jesus offers is the best thing you could possibly have. And so that's why we keep going on the way we do. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank and praise you for Jesus. We thank you that through Jesus, all our debt to you is paid and we can be right with you forever. Do please help us to understand who he is and what he has done. And we pray that we might all come to love him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.